This week's reading for the 12th Sunday after Pentecost comes from Luke chapter 14, verse 1, and then verses 7 through 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of the leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were all watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. So that instead, when you are invited, go and sit at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. And then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The word of the Lord. Most recently, when it comes to TV and TV shows that we watch, my wife and I have been watching a show called The Handmaid's Tale. Perhaps you are familiar with it. It's actually based on a book, came out back in the mid-80s. It's been going on for a few seasons now. It's been pretty popular. It's on Hulu. You can find it if you're on there. Note, it's kind of pretty adult, so you know, don't let the kids watch. But it's a really, really great show with really, really intriguing storytelling, and it's, it's definitely drawn us in. Now, what's interesting about this show, the setting of it, is that social status is so utterly and totally vital within their society. Now, the premise for this whole thing is that the United States has been taken over, actually wiped out, and in place of that is this country called Gilead, which is structured very extraordinarily, zealotly, we might say fanatically based on many Old Testament understandings of society. And again, social status is beyond important. In fact, it dictates the color you wear within this society. Now, there are several different colors, and they indicate different things. Now, for the men... The very important people, the most important men, wear all black. Now, the, the, the more political people wear suits, and then you've got some more military. They all wear dark black. Then if you go down one step to some of the lower-ranking men, they're kind of in a more dark gray. Young boys wear sort of a light gray. Girls, on the other hand, young girls will wear pink. And then some of the, the, the women who work in, in the lower status roles, they wear kind of a sagey, greenish gray. Some of the other women wear kind of a slate gray. There's the handmaids, the, the, the titular handmaids. They wear very bright red. The ants who take care of the handmaids, they wear a very important shade of brown. And then the wives of the highest-ranking men, they wear kind of a turquoisey blue. 
There's probably some other colors that I'm forgetting about too, but the takeaway is that their social status, their social ladder, the, the place where everyone falls in this social status is so rigid that it's dictated by the color that they wear, or more so the color is dictated by their social status. Now this idea of social status, that's what I'm really wanting to hammer on, what I'm really wanting you to grab onto, because Jesus finds himself today in a situation where that seems to be the case. Here's the deal. For us today, social ladders, while they are there, and social status, while it is there, especially if you find yourself in junior high or high school, it's perhaps not as nearly as rigid as it would have been in Jesus' day, and certainly nowhere near the, the fictional story of The Handmaid's Tale. But in Jesus' time, social importance, social status was there. And in his culture, it was definitely a real part of that. And it was dictated by many, many different things. It had to do with your ancestry or what clan you were a part of or what your nationality or your culture was. And it had to do with your gender. And it had to do with the work that you did or the job that you had. And in fact, that went the opposite way. And sometimes it would dictate what kind of job you could have. All of these different things would focus in. And especially within an individual community, everyone's place on the social ladder was well known. Everyone knew. You knew where you sat, and everybody else knew where you sat, too. And that is the situation that Jesus finds himself in today when he's at this banquet, or this, sun, this, this Sabbath banquet that we hear about. Now, it's interesting. And there's a little bit of background that we need to go into. Now, we hear that it's being offered by the leader of the Pharisees. And what's important to know about this is this is the group of people that oftentimes Jesus is butting heads with. They're oftentimes at odds with one another. It doesn't really seem like they like each other very much, and they're oftentimes squaring off about different things, and they're challenging each other, and they're debating with each other, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. But everyone's taking advantage of social status, and maybe, just maybe, the reason that Jesus gets invited into this banquet is the guy recognizes Jesus is popular with the crowds. Maybe I can curry a little bit of favor, so I'm going to invite him in. But I think there's something else going on here, too. And we catch it in the very first part that we have, that very first verse. We hear everybody's watching him closely. And then we skip some verses. Well, the reason that everyone's watching him so closely is because it's the Sabbath. And also in attendance is a guy who needs to be healed. And they're all seeing if they can trap Jesus by seeing if he will break Sabbath law and heal the guy on the Sabbath, which, of course, Jesus does. And as he is known to do over and over and over again, he silences his critics. He restores this individual to wholeness, sends him on his way. And with that, everybody seems to shrug their shoulders, and it goes back to normal, and that's where things pick up. Jesus is sitting there, and as he is watching this banquet unfold, he is seeing everyone taking full advantage of the idea of social hierarchy. He's watching for, as they jockey for position. Now, again, remember what I said. In his culture, everyone's spot on the social ladder was well known, and that would dictate where you sit in a banquet. The most important people, the most prestigious people are going to sit right next to the host, as close to the host as possible. And the farther away you were at the table, the lower your social status. And Jesus is watching. And I can only imagine the people that, that he's watching are probably trying to play this whole game, too, as they come in. They're like, OK, who else is here? Who is here? I'm more important than that guy. OK, I can sit up above him. But as I look over there, that guy, he's definitely above me, so I got to come down one notch. And this person over here, well, we're about the same social status. So, so let's see. Do I take the higher spot? Do I take the lower spot? What are we going to do here? Where's my chair? Where am I going to sit? I got to be careful. I got to be careful. I got to be careful. 
Jesus points out this whole thing. And as he's taking all of this in, he does what seems to be actually quite uncharacteristic. Normally, Jesus doesn't seem to care much about social status and social decorum. And in fact, he's kind of pushing it out of the way and crossing over all those social boundaries to bring someone into a life of wholeness or to be healed or whatever. So this one's kind of odd because Jesus seems to give some very shrewd social calendar or social ladder advice here. He says, when you come to the banquet, do not take the highest chair of honor because someone more important than you might come in and then in front of everybody, you're going to get humiliated when the host is like, dude, you don't belong there. Get on down the table. Rather, when you come into the banquet, sit at the lowest place. So then when the host comes in, he will see you and they'll be like, my friend, you are more important than this. Come up the table and you will be honored in the presence of everyone. Isn't it weird that Jesus does this? Be careful, be shrewd in your dealings because you don't want to be made to look bad. You got to be careful so that you'll be made to look good. Doesn't that seem utterly weird to hear from Jesus? I think so. It doesn't seem like something that normally he thinks about. And I find myself wondering, what's going on here? Why do you even care about this, Jesus? That seems really, really strange. Now, he does go on, and we have the second part when he seems to kind of turn things around and come at it from the other side. He says, when you give a banquet, do not invite your friends and your family and the important people who will up your social status when, when, by being seen in your, in your house. And, and don't invite those who will then invite you back and up your social status when you go to their party. Rather, invite those who cannot repay you. Invite the poor, the lame, the crippled, the blind. Bring them in. That is what you must do. The ones who cannot repay you. That seems a little bit more normal for Jesus. But when we get both of these in there, doesn't it just seem odd? And I find myself scratching my head wondering, Jesus, what are you up to? And maybe, just maybe, this strange little moment in which Jesus almost playfully seems to be talking about the social ladder, maybe this is a moment when Jesus is giving us, his audience, a great big wink to indicate how big of a game this whole thing is. Maybe he's letting us in on a joke. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus is reminding us that social status ultimately doesn't matter. It ultimately doesn't get us anywhere. And the end result is going to be the same regardless. Maybe you've heard this expression before. I think it's applicable here. The one who dies with the most toys is still dead. The end game is going to be the same for all of us. This life, while oftentimes very good, but oftentimes very hard, ends the same way for all of us because every single one of us from the moment we come into this world, we owe one debt. And you know what? The scriptures, the gospel, it's honest about that. It's true when we consider that. And I appreciate that. That when we think about all of this, our lives can be very good. They can be very tough. Life is good, but it's also at times very hard. This world is amazing, but it's oftentimes very broken. And we, God calls us good, but we're also very broken. And when we're honest about all of this, we realize that no matter what is going on during this whole big game we call life, 
regardless of how well we play it and how far up the ladder we might ultimately climb, it's all going to end the same way. If this was Monopoly, every single one of us would reach the point where we go directly to jail, do not cross, go, do not collect $200. It ends the same way for all of us. And if that's the case, what is going on here? And is there any good news to be found in this strange little teaching moment that Jesus is up to? And maybe, just maybe, we find it when we think about the idea of invitation. Ultimately, the faith we express believes and professes that there is more to come after this life. There is more to come in the heavenly banquet that God invites us into. And the good news of the gospel is that whatever it was that Jesus was accomplishing through his life and his death and his resurrection, which is going to happen in Jerusalem, which is where he's on his way to, Whatever it was that God was accomplishing, it was making it possible to overcome the power of sin, brokenness, and death that affects this world, that affects this reality, that affects this life that is a part of all of us. That invitation that God has offered through Jesus claims each one of us as beloved child and means that no matter how this game of life shakes out for us, Ultimately, the invitation has already been extended. We don't have to earn it. And if we don't have to earn it, that means we can't buy it. And if we can't buy it, that means we can't repay it. All of that stuff that Jesus is talking about. When you invite someone, don't invite the ones who can pay you back. Invite the ones who have no way of doing so. Folks, Every single one of us, ultimately, when we are honest with ourselves, no matter how well we play the game, no matter how well the cards have been stacked in our favor and how great things go in life or how lousy, the invitation is already given to us and it cannot be taken away because it has been given to us by God, the one who calls us good. That, I believe, is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the reward of the righteous. It's repaid, it's given at the resurrection that we share. Jesus himself died and rose again and has made it possible for us to somehow join in that same resurrection, and that is the heavenly banquet that we are all invited 